So, but uh, we're glad for all of you that are here this morning. God bless you for being in the house of the Lord. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and blessings, Lord. We thank you for the privilege to look into your word. We thank you for truth, for salvation, for the gospel. We praise your wonderful name and thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to one next to you, shake their hand, greet them in Jesus' name, smile. Tell them they look nice. Amen. You're the best looking people on the face of the earth. You really are. God's people. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Today I'm going to start a new series here. We finished up Romans last week. And uh, I'm going to start a new series uh, on the life, the ministry, uh, even the identity of Jesus Christ. And as a springboard for that, I'm going to refer back to what I've been teaching on Wednesday night uh, about uh, the, uh, the Lord saying that he would put his word out through Moses and then later through Jesus Christ. I'll give you a scripture on that in just a moment. I'm aware that some of you probably have not been in our Wednesday night class, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But for you folks that have, bear with me for just a few moments, for minutes here while... I sort of tie that together, but I want to talk to you here about the life of Christ and to understand the life of Christ and why Jesus came the way he did, why he came the way he did, and what the Jews stumbled over, what they, what they missed, how they failed to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And to, uh, to give you some understanding of that, uh, the promise of the Lord, of course, was promised way back there in book of uh, Exodus and then finally in the book of our brother in the book of Deuteronomy which was from the Exodus experience I'm going to start out by reading here from Exodus chapter 20 and most of you are, are familiar with this and I'll just make mention of it very quickly move on here but whenever the children of Israel had come out of Egypt and they had traveled for three months they came to Mount Sinai when they came to Mount Sinai Uh, The Lord told Moses, now get the people ready. I'm going to speak to them. I'm going to speak to them. Tell them to get ready. They got three days to get it all together. And he told them what they had to do and so forth to be presentable to God while God would speak to them. When the Lord finally did speak to them in the 20th chapter, the 20th chapter, he gave them the Ten Commandments. Uh, The first verse in chapter 20 says, and God spoke all these words unto them. And he gave them what we know of as the as the Ten Commandments, and it goes down through verse 17. Uh, in verse 18, when God had gotten through speaking, and the Bible describes it here in this 19th chapter, how that the Lord's presence was so dynamic. The Lord came forth with the mountain, the, the ground shook, the mountain smoked, lightning was flashing on the mountain, fire was belching out, uh, the voice of God came forth. It was like trumpet sounding and it sounded long and loud and uh, God gave the Ten Commandments and it literally scared the children of Israel half to death. It literally did. They were a little bit high-minded and cocky when it all started and then they sort of uh, uh, they all got scared backed away and, and everything. When it was all over with this is what happens in ch- what happened in chapter 20 verse 18 And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. 
And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And verse 19 now is the key verse here. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear. You tell us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. We don't want to hear from God in that fashion anymore. You tell us what God tells you for us to do and we will obey it and we'll follow it. And so from that time on, the Lord would call Moses up into the mountain to give him instructions. Actually, there's 613 of the commandments all together. The Lord gave him these commandments. Israel should do it this way, this way, this way. Don't do this, don't do that, so forth. And it covered various types of uh, things that they were to live by. They were agriculture people. They were herdsmen. They, they had a tabernacle plan also, a priesthood, so forth. And they had to follow all the rules of the laws. Now, whenever, this was only three months after they left Egypt, 40 years later, when Moses was getting ready to go up on, on Mount Nebo and actually be buried by the angel up there, he'd die, he would die. He knew he was going and he told them, he said, my time's come to an end. I want to rehearse these things to you that God has already said to us. Just to remind you, and this is what m most and much of Deuteronomy is all about. It is about Moses reminding the children of Israel all the things that God put in place, what he said, and what they said, and so forth. Now, uh, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter uh, 5 and verse 23, and it came to pass that when you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, and you came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory, his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the, of the Lord our God any more than we shall die. Verse 27 goes on to say this. Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it and do it. So they were saying, you tell us and we'll do it. This is what he rehearsed to them that they had said when this all happened in the book of Exodus, when they had just come out of, the, uh, out of Egypt for three months. This is now 40 years later in their lives. Verse 28, now I'll finish reading this. And the Lord heard the voice of your words. He's reminding them, God heard what you said 40 years ago. When you spake unto me, and the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice and the words of the people which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. And what the Lord was saying, I'll go along with it. I agree with it. That's the way it'll be because they have requested it. You, your people, Israel has requested that I speak to them through you. Man. Now, this is in the Deuteronomy chapter 8. When you go to chapter 18, just 10 chapters further over Deuteronomy, and, and uh, Moses is still talking to Israel about what's going to happen. He says this in chapter 18, verse 15. Listen very closely to this now. This is going to tie in with where we are today. And the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet... From the midst of thee and of thy brethren, like unto me, he'll be, you know, like Moses speaking of himself now, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. 
And then he goes on to remind them how it will be. He says in verse 16, according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, that is at Mount Sinai. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai is the same. Mount Sinai is the great mountain. Horeb is one of the peaks of the great mountain. That's why it sometimes it's referred to one or the other. And Horeb was the one that they were especially at. So he goes on to say, according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. And verse 17 says, and the Lord said unto me, they have well spoken that which they have spoken. So he's reminding them, and the same thing we just read over in the, in the eighth chapter, reminding them that's what happened back there 40 years ago. And then he goes on to say here, and he repeats what he said in verse 15. And he says, I will raise, this is what God has said, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto me, unto thee rather, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command you. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. So folks, when Jesus came, he came as the voice of God. He came as the voice of God and it would not be, it would not be a dynamic, fiery thing like a display of the mighty power of God, but it would be just the voice of a man. And people had to be willing to hear what he had to say and listen to what he had to say and do what he said and have faith in him and believe in him. Faith was the process of believing in him. They had to have that faith to believe in him for them to receive from God what God had for them. And of course, primarily the coming of Christ was to bring them salvation. Salvation. Jesus means Jehovah hath become salvation. And so when Jesus came, he was Jehovah in flesh bringing salvation to mankind, especially to the Jews first, then to the Gentiles. And so this was the promise in the scriptures that when the Lord would come, that he would come like this and he would just come as a man speaking, you know. Uh, Isaiah prophesied of it. If you look very quickly at Isaiah uh, 42, 40, Isaiah prophesied about the coming of Jesus in 42, and I'm going to read 1 and 2 to you here. And he says here, Behold my servant, whom I behold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. This is a prophecy of Jesus now. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. All of this, of course, did happen. And verse 2 says, And he shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. In other words, he would not be a revolutionary type. He would not be banners waving and big crowds and shouting and carrying on everything. He's just going to say it, and you have got to understand from what has been recorded in the book of Hebrews and in Exodus that I will require what he just says, you know. And so it, was, it would always be that, that small voice, that, just that voice, no crying in the streets. Jesus' whole ministry has been very, very much like that, very much in that fashion. Uh, there's a... Uh, Scripture in Matthew, for instance, I'll give you 17, 
chapter 17, 1. Look at this very closely here. This is what's called the Mount of Transfiguration during Jesus' uh, ministry. And after six days, Jesus taking Peter, James, and John, his brother, that is John, the brother of James, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, uh, verse 2, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine. This is Jesus now in front of these three disciples. His face, his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the sun, as light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and, Elijah, and Elias talking with him. Down in verse 5, save time here. He's, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And so the requirement of all of Israel and everybody from that time on that would ever be saved must come through Jesus Christ. Must, we must hear him. We must know that he is speaking to us and that it's not going to be thundering and lightning and flashing and all of that kind of stuff. It's just going to be the simple voice of God speaking to us. So the Lord said, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye him. And so these admonitions were sprinkled all through the word of God. Uh, another verse of scripture I think is, uh, I won't go any further with it, but other verses of scripture speaks about, in Philippians, well, I'll read that one. In, uh, in, in uh, Philippians, it talks about the word of the Lord coming forth. And he says this in Philippians chapter 2. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. He's talking about how we are to be toward each other. Verse 7, this is uh, 2 7 now of Philippians. But verse 7, but made, but Jesus, speaking of Jesus now, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him in the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being formed in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Do you understand here? What the New Testament is telling us, Jesus came so humbly. He was born in a stable and laid in a manger, you know. I uh, grew up in an insignificant little town in northern Israel called Nazareth. Uh, born in an insignificant little town in Judah uh, called Bethlehem. Everything about it was nothing like a king, nothing dynamic, nothing powerful, nothing like God. It was just the voice of a man. But you and I had to understand by the word of the Lord that's the way we're going to be saved, by listening to God's voice. And I'm going to show you something that happened over here in the Old Testament uh, with, uh, with Elijah. If you'll go with me for a moment to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, I want to show you something here. Elijah, this is back in the Old Testament now. Elijah had been dealing with this thing about Israel falling away from the Lord. Israel had been divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel, the southern kingdom was called Judah. And so you had two sister nations that were together. They sort of supported each other. They understood each other a little bit. The northern kingdom, however, fell away from God faster than the southern kingdom did. The southern kingdom did have Jerusalem and they did have the temple and so forth. But Israel, that northern kingdom, uh, they had, a, they had a, a king who was a, uh, an Israelite by the name of Ahab. And uh, Ahab married a Zidonian woman who was a Canaanite woman and was a heathen and she was a Baal worshiper and what was called the 
worshipers of those in the groves. They would build up on top of mountains where there was trees and things. They'd build a shrine up there uh, and worship some false idol of God up there and so forth. She was a proponent of that. She advocated that for Israel and she had turned the hearts of Israel away from it. And Elijah was the prophet. And Elijah just got so full of it and he started praying and said, God, you gotta turn the hearts of Israel around. And so finally, the Lord told him to do this, to set up a, situ a situation at Mount Carmel where he would call fire down from heaven. Most of you know the story about it. But Elijah told Israel, all Israel gather in there, let all these false prophets come in there from the prophets of the groves and the Baal, and, le and let them, you know, whoever calls fire down from heaven on the sacrifice, let them, him, that his God be their God. And so all Israel said, we'll do that. So they all got together, and of course, the prophets of the Baal, prophets of the groves, they just carried on, carried on, carried on. All day long, they tried to get their gods to answer by fire, but they did not. When Elijah's time came, and he was so confident about what God was going to do, he knew what God was going to do. He said, look, before I call, before it happens and I pray, he said, I want you to pour four barrels of water on the sacrifice. I want you to pour another four barrels of water on the sacrifice. Barrels were like big barrels. Four barrels of water all over the sacrifice. And then he got all through these. The third time, he said, I want you to pay the 12 barrels of water until the barrels of water was on the sacrifice. It was all in the mud. It was like a mud. The dirt all around, the dust, the wood was all soaked with water and everything. And then Elijah prayed a very simple prayer. And he said, God, if you're the God of Israel and you would have your people to serve you and walk with you only, would you send fire down from heaven? And the fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, consumed the water, I mean consumed the wood, and consumed the water and licked up all the water and the dust and everything around it, and all it left was just the stone left there. And I'm telling you that so that God showed them he was the mighty God, okay? And uh, so Elijah felt very victorious. He told them, let's go down to the creek and let's kill these false prophets. And so they slew 850 of these false prophets and Israel had gotten back on the right track. And when Jezebel, the Zidonian queen of Israel, northern Israel, who was a heathen, whenever she heard about it, she sent a messenger to Elijah and said to Elijah, this time tomorrow, you're going to be like those prophets are. I'm coming after you. I'm going to get you. And I'm going to take your life because of what you did to my prophets. In other words, there was no fear of God in her. There was no respect for how God answered them in prayer. And Elijah fled for his life. Now you say, I don't understand that. He was able to call fire down from heaven. He killed 850 false prophets. And he runs from a woman, you know. The Bible says that holy men of old spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. See, what you and I have is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We have it, it's with us all the time. You know, sometimes you don't feel like maybe it's all there, but it's all there, always with us. We have the baptism. That's what the New Testament has that the Old Testament didn't have. But in the Old Testament, those prophets were moved on by the Holy Ghost. You would move on them and they would just be powerfully spiritual and powerful in God. And then the Holy Ghost was lifted and then they would be like, you know, they'd be like Samson whenever his hair was cut or whatever you want to call it. They had no strength left in them. They had nothing left inside of them. And so when he heard that, the Holy Ghost had already lifted and Elijah fled for his life and went down into 
not southern Israel, but way on down past that into southern Judea into uh, a place called Beersheba, way down in the southern part of Judea. And he got down there and he buried his face in the Lord and he said, God, he said, I'm the only one left. And uh, look at verse 8 now. I'm reading here from 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 8. I have a reason for telling you all of this to tie it in with uh, the voice that the Lord uses to speak to us. It says in verse 8, And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days. What happened when he went to Beersheba and he went to sleep and the angel came along and woke him up and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And uh, he said, Well, I'm running, I'm fleeing. She's going to take my life and everything. And so he went back to sleep. The angel woke him up and he had a little cake there and he ate it. He went back to sleep again. He was tired. He was 200 miles away from Mount Sinai, 200 miles away. And, uh, and then the angel bumped him again. He said, wake up, Elijah. I got another meal for you. And uh, he said, here it is. He's, he woke him up. This is verse 7. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. The angel knew where he was going. So he ate again. And then verse 8 says, and he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God, which is Mount Sinai that we talked about. Now, why did Elijah go to Mount Sinai? Why did he go to Horeb? He wanted to get in touch with God as God had been before he said, I'm just going to talk through Moses and the prophet that will come after him. In other words, he wanted God to really show himself powerfully. So he went there and a little voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I'm the only one left and and there's nobody else left but me and I'm just ready to die. And God, I really want you to do something. I want you to shake everything up. I want you to turn it upside down. And so here's what happened. The Bible goes on to say here that the Lord, uh, he said, verse 11, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains. Look at that. It blew like crazy and breaking pieces, the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. No voice, no voice. It happened just like it happened, you know, with the children of Israel when they're all, you know, seeing the Ten Commandments given to them, but there's no voice in it. And this is after the the wind and earthquake. The ground shook like crazy. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. No voice. And after the earthquake, a fire. Fire burned and everything, and, Mo, and, and, and Elijah said, boy, God's really coming. He's going to be here in a minute. He's going to speak, and I want to hear the dynamic, powerful voice of God and what he's going to do and how he's going to deal with this situation. And verse 12 says, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. And God did not change his plans. What he told Moses still existed what he told the children of Israel he said okay you don't want to hear from me no more it'll always be through Moses and finally the next one who would come after him that would be like him that would tell the people what to do it would be Jesus Christ the Messiah and he says you've got to listen to his words so here he he, he was he heard this still small voice 
And the Lord said to Elijah, Elijah, I just want you to go back and I want you to know what this one to be a prophet and I want you to know what this one to be a king and this and that and so forth. And it wasn't long after that till the Lord just took Elijah out and he was caught away in a chair to fire and so forth. You know the story. But my point that I'm getting across to you is that Elijah wanted to see God move so dynamically. How many times have you felt that way? How many times have we said, God, we want to see you really just move powerfully. We want you to shake the heavens and the earth. You know, wicked men do this and wicked people do that and and they do this and this is going on and that's going on and God, we just want to see you shake the whole world, turn things upside down, make people scared, make them afraid, make them say, oh my God, I got to get right with the Lord. We may pray that way sometime for our children that's unsafe. God just, we want to shake, shake them up. And God has a way, you know, of, of bringing things to their attention, really, seriously. And God can do those kind of things in a, in a small way. But it will never be any more than the Lord saying it's going to be through his words, his teachings, what he has given us in which we are to follow. That's why, and I've talked about this in our Wednesday night class. That's why faith is so important. We've got to believe the word of the Lord. Praise God. And so here, Elijah, he wanted it to happen so bad. Uh, I'm going to refer to a scripture as well over here. I think it's in St. Luke where Jesus and his disciples, there were, I think a couple of them, they were traveling together, James and John, and they were going to go through Samaria. The Lord said to them, I want you to go into the city of Samaria and I want you to tell the people to get ready to receive me and listen to me when I come through. Okay, so they were to go there and say, the Messiah's coming, Messiah's here on earth and he's coming by and uh, he's going to speak to us, all of us here together. Now here's what happened. I'm going to read these verses to you here. It says here in, uh, in Luke 9, 52 and he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, not the city of Samaria, but the province of Samaria, to make ready for him. And they did not receive him. In other words, we're not interested in hearing what he's got to say. We don't care what he's got to say. We're not interested in what Jesus has got to say. That's what they, in essence, were saying, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? We'd like to just zap these guys. I mean, how, how you know, how, what an insult to God. What an insult to God's divine plan for people to be saved. What an insult when Jesus Christ is going to visit their village their town. And, uh, and, and they were insulted by that. And they said, Christ, certainly you can be insulted. And, and Jesus, you know, they thought Jesus would say, why, that's what they said to you? Why, you know, zap, and it'd be all over with, right? Consume fire down from heaven and, and everything, fry them. And then they'd say, you know, and that, that was what they had in their spirit. You understand what I'm saying here? And here's what Jesus said to them. Uh, <clears throat> But he turned and rebuked them, verse 55, and said, ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. 
And then he goes on to say in verse 56, for the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Now, I'm just trying to say here that uh, Peter and John, God bless them, and they were leaders in that early church. But at this point here, they felt like that they wanted to see God just like Elijah, just take things in control and make things happen, you know, with a dynamic, powerful God. And the Lord said, no, the plan of God is the way it was established. He has already determined it will be by the voice of Jesus. It will be by his words. It will be by his teachings. That's why, folks, the teachings of Christ are the most important and the most powerful thing in the Bible and in the world because it is by the teachings of the Lord. He is the word of God. He is the word of God. The, the Bible says in Hebrews, I think, 12, 1, 1, 1, it does. Hebrews 1, 1. It says, God who in times past spoke unto the, uh, unto the uh, brethren by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, Jesus Christ. And so we have to hear him. The Bible says, hear ye him, hear ye him. So I'm pointing out to all of us here today that we have to be willing to receive the words of Jesus. And what I'm going to be talking to you about on Sunday morning here is some of the teachings of Christ, some of the things he had to say, what they meant, how powerful they are. Because if we can learn to follow the teachings of the Lord, it will, it will absolutely cause us to walk with God, to love him. And sometimes we don't understand everything, just like these disciples, you know. They, they didn't realize that they had gotten into a bad spirit. And sometimes we want to see God just move so dynamically and so powerfully and so fiercely and so forth. And God doesn't do it like that. Amen. He doesn't do it like that. Uh, most of them would have liked to have seen Paul of, uh, Saul, rather, Saul of Tarsus zapped when Saul was in the, in the early church period of time, when Saul was going around getting paperwork from the high priest and going to this court and that court and having Christians put in jail and, and, and have them pretty sent off and they were getting scared and running from place to place and Christians were just frightful because this guy named Saul of Tarsus, you know, and he was just a mean dude, everything, until... Until on the road to Damascus, the Lord appeared to him brighter than the noonday sun and talked to him. He said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom thou art persecuting. And Paul was humble right there, became blind for three days. He received his sight, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I might add, speaking in other tongues, this doesn't record it in that eighth chapter, but it is recorded in the 12th chapter and the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, where he said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than y'all. But anyhow, Paul received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, was baptized in Jesus' name. His life turned around, his whole life changed, and he began to listen to that voice, still small voice of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And that's what happens to most of us. When you come to the house of God, you know, uh, God speaks to our hearts. If you're not saved, I, when I wasn't saved and I went to church, I felt that tug on my heart. It was that still, quiet, soft, Spirit of the Lord dealing with me to be saved. And so it was with you and I when we first came to the Lord. But it's the Lord's love. He reaches out to us. And his love and his softness and his kindness, not lifting his voice in the streets, but that, that tenderness and that gentleness. But it will not always be that way. you got to understand that. This is the day of grace. We have the dispensation of grace. 
God extends his grace to us when we have not deserved it. I, I'm a Gentile. I don't deserve the grace of God. I'm not of Abraham. You know, the Jews turned their back on the Lord, and so he turned to the Gentiles. And so here we, we are just blessed. And, you know, maybe you're saved today and because you listen to that voice of God in your heart. And uh, the guy sitting next to you, he heard the same voice, but he rejected it. And so you, now you're walking with the Lord. He is not. There, that's the grace of God. God is so good to us. God's grace to us is Calvary. God's grace to us is the word of God that we have. I mean, he, he called men and, set, and, and put it on their hearts to translate the Bible in all these different languages, you know, German and, and, and English, of course, as we have, Spanish and different along the way. He has put it in the hearts of people to do that. So here's Bibles everywhere. That's the grace of God that we can read the Bible and have the word of God at our tips. Praise God. And I can turn in my Bible. I've got, I don't know, I've got several Bibles. And uh, some of them are and some are not. But the one I've got right here uh, is, an old, is an old study Bible. And uh, it's got red letter edition in it. You know, some of you have that, some of you don't. But I like the red letter because it's the words of Jesus, what he spoke, what he said. And I'm just trying to say here today how important it is to understand that we've got to listen to the words of Christ. We've got to listen to Jesus and when the Lord talks to our hearts and he speaks to us, I don't know how many times I have gone to the word of God and God has spoken to me from his word. How many of you have had that experience? I see a lot of hands. God has spoken to you from his word. You know, you say, I don't know what to do, Lord. And you're, you're reading the bird and all of a sudden it seems like right there, it, it doesn't stand out any different than the other words, but it seems to at that moment. And you read it and you say, that's an answer from God. God has given me his word. And then God has ways of confirming that to us. He'll speak to us and then he'll confirm things to us. But it's not going to be that thing about, you know, it's like I told the story about the guy that one time and I was trying to tell him that he needed to be baptized in Jesus' name and repent and get saved. He said, Brother Myers, if a, if a Lord wants me to do that, he'll send an angel down and tell me. If the angel comes down and tell me, I'll do it. And of course, and as you know, I've told the story before, but that, that ain't going to happen. The angel won't do it. That's not God's plan. You know, an angel came to Cornelius when he was praying in 10th chapter of the book of Acts. And he came to Cornelius and Cornelius was praying. He was a good man. He was a Gentile. And the angel said to him, you know, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Is that what he said? No. The angel came to him and he said, send to Joppa to a man by the name of Peter and he will tell you what you got to do to be saved. And so God has chosen the ministry and the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the word by which we may hear the word. I'm just trying to tell you here, this is God's divine plan and God's gentleness and his love and everything. And we can be so mean and hateful and everything toward God, but he is still very loving, still very caring, still very concerned for us. But it will not always be like that. It won't always be like that. This is the day of salvation. This is the day to be saved. As the scripture in the Bible says, uh, summer is past and we are not saved. And we are ending, we're coming to the end of the summer. Summer is past. Folks, there are signs going on all around us. It's recorded in the Bible that we're drawing close to the end time. The Bible says in, in Hosea 6.2, that Israel should be blinded 
That is that they would not understand Jesus as Messiah for two days. And, and two days, and on the third day, I will raise them up. Third day, I'll raise them up. And the Bible says a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. Adam and Eve lived, Adam, and, Adam I know, and me probably about the same. He lived 930 years. Methuselah lived 969 years. But they all died within that thousand year period of time. Nobody ever lived beyond a thousand years. That's that day. A day with the Lord is a thousand years. That's recorded two or three places in the Bible. Uh, a day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years, one day. So when Hosea 6.2 says, the Israel should be blinded for two days. That's not 24 hour days. That's dispensational days. And so here it is. It's been nearly, it's been about 2,000 years now since Israel had Jesus come their way, preach the gospel, and they rejected him. You understand what I'm saying here? We're coming close to the end. We're coming close. And when you see when that comes about, and then we begin to see all of the things that are developing in the world today, we know that it's time for the Lord to come. And when Jesus comes, he'll come back for his church first. And then he comes back with his church. And in between that time, there's a period of judgment in which he will do great judgment. And he will pick up where he left off at Mount Sinai. I'm going to give you chapter and verse for it and close out. And, let, and, and, and then we'll get into our psalm service. Look in Hebrews chapter 12 with me for a moment. I'm going to finish this up now. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, I want to read this verse of scripture to you. I'm going to start here, verse 18. For you're not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burneth with fire. He's talking about Mount Sinai here. Nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words which voice they heard, they entreated that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded and, and so forth. He goes on to talk about the seriousness of it. I'm going to jump down just to save time here. I'm going to jump down to verse 25. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. And it's speaking of Jesus. For the 24th verse is, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And so it says, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. This is Jesus now. For if, he escape, if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. That is Jesus Christ who came from heaven. Verse 26, Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more uh, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. The Lord is saying here, once again I'm going to do it. And this word once more means once again I'm going to act and I'm going to speak and I'm going to speak to the people like I did there. And when you read over here in, in Revelations, I'm going to read this, for instance, Revelation 6. This is when the tribulation period comes on the earth and the church has been raptured away now and God begins to speak now, not in that still small voice or doesn't raise his voice in the streets or he speaks just kindly and gently and with love and says, you know, don't show that kind of a spirit like he did there, those men in Samaria to, those, to his disciples. Don't show that spirit of wanting to call fire down from heaven. In other words, love and tenderness. And because the Lord can be so loving toward us and tender toward us and kind toward us, we can be flippant about it. But the day will come when that will all be over. 
And that's what this scripture was telling us. And so when I go to Revelation chapter 6, look at these verses here. Verse 12. And, be, and, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree catcheth her in timely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. Verse 14. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of her place. And so forth. Verse 15. The kings of the earth, the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and mighty men, every bond and every free man, hid themselves in dens and rocks and mountains and said to the mountain, fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, who shall be able to stand? And so when the Lord begins to speak again in that fashion, it'll be in the tribulation period and it'll be heavy, devastating, and he will do that right on up to Armageddon. This is recorded in here in the 6th chapter. Again, it's in the 11th chapter. Again, it's in chapter 16 where the Lord talks about earthquakes. Talks about an earthquake that will be like they've never seen. Every mountain will be removed. Cities will fall in the world. Uh, we're talking about devastation, but the Lord is saying once more, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to speak from heaven. I'm going to speak, you know, again like that. But today is the day of salvation. Today, the love of God goes forth. Today, you can receive his spirit. Today, hallelujah, is the day in which the Lord is still saying, I love you, I reach out to you, I want you to be saved. There's not a one of you I want to be lost, amen. Would you stand with me together and let's lift our hands and just worship God and thank him here right now. Lord Jesus, we love you, Lord, today. We thank you, God, for your goodness and mercy and kindness. We thank you, Lord, that you love your people. We thank you, God, that you have a love for all of us, God, even though we're undeserving of it. You loved us, God, before we knew our right hand from our left. And Oh, God, you have reached out to all of us that are saved, and you're reaching out to all of those who may not be saved this morning, who may not know you in the fullness of your great power and riches of glory. We ask you, Jesus, that you may touch our hearts and lives today. Bless our morning service, God, and we praise you for all things. In the precious and lovely name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.